0: Hey there, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Know and Tell, the podcast for interesting people. I'm your host, Carrie Pulley. Today we have a delightful guest, someone who's going to teach us all of the things we need to know about not dying from syphilis. I am joined by Michael Gunziork. I like saying that. Uh, He is a seasoned burlesque performer in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, His uh, professional title is Disease Intervention Specialist, so you got the herps, you come see the zorks, I don't know, Uh, the Gunziorks, and he loves animals, especially otters, Michael, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Carrie.
0: What an adventure we're about to go on. What an
1: adventure we're about to go on. Oh, my, oh, dear. I think you set your listeners up for disappointment because you said I was delightful, and I don't think that I'm going to be delightful. Oh, God, one of these people. I think they're going to hear a lot about sex stuff that is going to be, like, not super sexy. Listen,
0: STDs aren't delightful, but you are. So, like, true. you know, herpes sucks, but, like, if you say it with a smile, it's... Herpes! Yeah. And herpes (laughs) isn't as dangerous as everyone thinks. Yeah, but it's gross. Anyway. (laughs) So you work for who?
1: I work for Bellflower Clinic. Technically, I'm an employee of the Marion County Health Department. Mm -hmm. Um, Bellflower Clinic is um, a low-cost clinic where for $20 you can get a gonorrhea chlamydia syphilis and hiv test
0: so those are like the big ones that people really need to be looking out for
1: for sure and that's all that i really typically handle in my job mm. um i did just get put in charge of uh treating people in jail systems and oh, there's wow. trichinomis that is also a part of that mm-hmm. but um i literally just started doing that st- uh this week um and i there, it, it was covered a little bit in my training, but it wasn't anything that I typically have to follow up with people on. So I'm going to have to probably bone up, for lack of a better term, oh boy. on my trichinomus uh,
0: oh info. Oh, boy. Yeah. There we go. Yeah,
1: but that's typically what we are um testing for or looking for at the Bellflower Clinic. There are other things that you can get diagnosed with there. But in terms of what I do for my job, those are the major four that I tackle.
0: And so I also see on Facebook sometimes you post that you do um, out-in-the-field screenings, Mm -hmm. like for special events or
1: yeah yeah um so there's a different factor or not factor like department division whatever you want to refer to it as the at the bellflower clinic called outreach and outreach will go and do testing events and sometimes if they're maybe having uh they need more help at a testing event uh, they'll ask people from my department to go and help out and um, I recently, yeah, just tested at Indiana University, uh, mostly because I was bored with the day. I had nothing to do with my Didn't day. did you
0: also dress as a vagina?
1: I have. Not at that event, but I have in the <laughs> past. Um, and a penis. I've been both a penis and a vagina and on And these were
0: sanctioned work outfits. For sure. For sure. All right. Yeah, I'm into
1: it. it. It's great.
0: Oh man! (laughs) And so then on the other side of things, Mm. you are a burlesque performer. This
1: is true. Yes. All
0: right. What's your stage name? So
1: my stage name is Wayne King.
0: Which, by the way, it it was only a couple months ago where I was like, oh, (sighs) Wayne King. Ah." (laughs) Oh.
1: I usually get, like, a, a message or, like, a post on my wall. Usually a year after knowing someone, they're like, oh, I just got your name. I'm like, I can't take credit for it. Pepper Mills, Burlesque Performer in Indianapolis gave me that. Um, I'm pretty sure at first when she gave me that name, I was like, I don't get it. And she was I like, I think mine would be Tits
0: it. McGillicuddy.
1: I mean, that feels like that would fit. I that like it. It does Tits fit. McGillicuddy.
0: Like, oh, man, McGillicuddy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. So
0: how long have you been doing burlesque?
1: Um it will be 5 years in March. Wow. I think it's March 19th or 20th is my anniversary.
0: And it's really great like to see a male in the burlesque uh, world because you don't see that as often
1: right yeah yeah you don't see it as often and a lot of times I feel like um no no shade to my fellow uh burlesque performers as well a lot of times I feel like it's more of the traditional body types that you would see yeah. I mean there are different there are definitely other guys out there that are um bigger you know bare uh as we would say in the gay community um She's or gay guys yes. I didn't know if you knew oh that. yeah oh yeah I'm an avid homosexual I like to yes. um
0: he is, he is fervently... Uh,
1: fervently...
0: Uh, I was going to say the other F word, but I'm like, no.
1: Oh. F- f- he f- is f- f- quintessentially
0: f- queer. There we go. Thank you. you I was really like that. It's
1: like F word, like the bad F word. <laughs> um, he fervently uh, fucks men. Yes. That, that <laughs> is also true. Fervently. Um Yes.
0: Uh, And you're married, right?
1: I am married, yeah, yeah. So uh, my husband and I – I mean, you guys are going to get a whole bunch of info here. Uh, My husband and I, we have an open relationship, so we do um, play with others together or separate. Um,
0: But, like, with full, like, awareness, right? Yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I could never – I'm a terrible liar. Mm. Um, And this was just something that, like, kind of fell into our lives. It's You know, we moved away. We used to live in Illinois. We live here in Indiana now. We figured we're far enough from our – Family. No one's gonna really leak mm-hmm. back info to them unless I'm publicly talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, it's. I mean, it's no one's business. We still make sure that we're 100. Right. Your the relationship most... is still central. Yes, for That's sure. That's great.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, one of the big things that I associate with you is sex positivity, mm-hmm. and in a world which is you in know, a world in a world where sex is both shamed and coveted. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wayne King <laughs> he's not the hero we deserved but he's the one we got
0: he's the one we grew after we forgot to use a condom <laughs>
1: load you should have swallowed <laughs> <laughs> oh. Carrie's broke oh my
0: god <laughs> I love this so much <laughs> oh boy oh god oh, yes geez. oh geez oh wow there oh oh oh, <laughs> oh, oh. i love it <laughs> this is gonna be a hoot of an episode you guys i hope you are ready to get wet <laughs> let's,
1: let's get soaking wet so
0: how did you first like <laughs> This is a weird question but how did you first get like interested and knowledgeable about stds
1: um so the first important part of that would be getting the job that i have now mm-hmm. i mean granted i've been aware of sex my whole entire life i mean as we all kind of are in some Mm -hmm. format but like i think i probably uh i had access to like hbo and cinemax and things like that in my my room as a kid and and i didn't really watch i mean i i tuned into like the this this uh, what do you call it skinemax you know oh yeah because you know trying to look at body seeing what got me going there
0: are a lot of dicks on skinamax yeah exactly that's a thing but you know what as much as dicks control the media they are not often seen or represented no and i'm just like some of us need to see more dicks not not from a thirst perspective (laughs) but from like an educational perspective yeah
1: it would be nice to have, like, a smattering of dicks out there, quite honestly. And
0: not just the big ones. Yeah.
1: yeah make it all okay, you yeah. know, because... Uh, just Some because of them
0: curve to the left. Some of them look like they're saluting you. And some of them, uh, we just don't understand.
1: Some of them got a hood on them, you know, and then people yeah. get all weird And they're about not that.
0: racist just because they have a hood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they
1: are... Uh, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I think we could do better as a body positivity, as a community, as mm-hmm. a whole, you know, um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I kind of felt like I never really finished my first thing about the oh, yeah. SVDs. Sorry, Max. no. Nice. So, Skinamax. I mean, I guess that doesn't really factor in that hard, but, um, like, I just have always been pretty kind of, like, into sex stuff my whole entire life. I mm-hmm. guess for a while there, I probably felt like a pervert just because I seemed, like, so interested in it, but, like, I just, it's fascinating to me, people's behaviors around sex. So, like, mm-hmm. I used to watch, like, Taxi Cab Confessions as a kid, things that, like, I probably shouldn't have been really watching, but, eh, whatever, I got away with it. And, um... I mean, the STD knowledge definitely came about a year ago when I first started my job. Um, But it's just something that I'm very passionate about. Like, Mm -hmm. I never thought I would get this job and love it as much as I do. It's a weird job.
0: So why Uh, do you think you love it so much?
1: Because it feels like I'm giving back something, so mm-hmm. I've only ever had jobs in retail before, um, besides a brief stint at a podiatrist's office in which I quit after a week and cried. That um, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've had retail jobs before, and they're just – I mean, yes, they pay the bills, but, um, you know, some people find that fulfilling. I personally don't find it fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Some people like to, like, I have the best sales and – all these different things. That's not anything that and you're really. you like I
0: tested the most swabs. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think this is just, and it's, it's a way for me to give back to my community as yeah. well. As an avid homosexual, um, I like to make sure that we are trying to do things as right as possible because we're a very small community in Indianapolis. Um yeah. So the potential for spreading some stuff is is pretty high. Well,
0: you know? yeah. That's. I mean, that was the question I have. Is, you know, how what is indianapolis's status basically like how disease ridden are we
1: um i mean it's pretty i i i don't know like the actual facts and figures in comparison to like other cities but we have a lot of chlamydia that's reported to us Hmm. um but that's i think pretty typical chlamydia and gonorrhea are on the lower end i mean they're important to take care of for absolutely sure but they are on the lower end of like serious harm being done to your body or irreparable harm
0: which is so interesting because like I mean just so often if any sex ed is actually offered which is not mm-hmm. you know common um we like hear you know gonorrhea and chlamydia is like these <laughs> big demons yeah. and in fact like they're pretty common and they yeah. suck but they're treatable but there are other things that people really don't pay as much attention to or that they choose to ignore that are much worse yeah i
1: yeah. i completely agree yeah so gonorrhea and chlamydia the major consequence of those being untreated um would be infertility which mm-hmm. obviously that is a decision that uh whoever may have an infection would make of their own accord not that anyone would be like hmm, i have this infection i don't want kids down the line i'm gonna keep this in my body no that's a terrible idea yeah, no, that's, probably not, don't do that. that's not good for your health so don't do that you know um but uh you know these are. This is why it's so important to kind of have any sort of information on sort of sex partners that you can, mm-hmm. so that they can be notified if you do end up testing positive for something, because they should be treated. You know, you don't want to have something fester in somebody. <laughs> yeah, I used to use that word all the time when I talked to patients. Fester is fester, a good word, but
0: they hated but it. But it's horrifying. It is horrifying. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I decided to not use that word.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I must confess her. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I don't have to confess anything guys I'm totally clean Oh um,
1: but also back to the, uh, yeah. the The question that you asked Was uh, syphilis we're seeing a lot of Right now um, you know
0: I heard that That was like really booming Yeah why I
1: think some Of it has to do with uh, Like in 1999 there was a big syphilis Outbreak or there's I, I don't know if I can Say technically outbreak but there Was a lot of syphilis in Indianapolis reported huh. Back in the early aughts um, But that was a lot Of similar uh, of um like heterosexual couplings mm-hmm. um they had locating information on their partners um and not to say that certain groups of people have better locating information but it was just a different time period you know we didn't have smartphones people weren't just hooking up right um, so nowadays we see a lot in uh like male same-sex um partnerships we see a lot of syphilis um hmm. because there's a lot of the potential for anonymous sex to happen you know there's hookup yeah. apps There or people just do kno- know their partner's information or are just withholding because there's shame based around STDs, right? Yeah. Which is, I think, kind of the major thing that we have to get past in order to make sure people are notifying their partners. Well,
0: and you brought up something that, like, I mean, I'm sure that I had considered on some level before, but really, like, from a disease standpoint, the things like Tinder, Grindr, and, and, like, the more anonymous sex apps. If you think about it, we have a lot of people traveling through Indianapolis. I mean, it's, like, a center hub for the nation, yep. uh, even if we don't feel like it some days. Uh. And you have people from all over the place coming in for a night. Coming for a night. Ay-oh. Ay-oh, and, uh, like, uh, leaving meow. behind their diseases. Like, yeah. I mean, we could I mean, that's that's how outbreaks can start. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see how that would be a big problem. Um, so we've got syphilis, which is making a comeback. Yep. I know that in southern Indiana, HIV is rampant. Mm-hmm. But is I, I know that that's not just primarily because of sexual exchange.
1: Right. Um, no. So like that is not something that we're really diagnosing a lot at my work. Mm-hmm. Um. We have cases that obviously come through, you know, but uh, I mean, I've only been there for a year. Like I said, uh, it's just not something that comes up that often. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely a lot of gonorrhea, definitely a lot of chlamydia and definitely a lot of syphilis. HIV does get reported, you know, but it's just not as it's not as prevalent as those. It's a much harder infection. It seems to pass along.
0: So what are some of the other infections that people should I mean be more cautious about I guess.
1: Um, the biggest one that scares me ever since started working my job is syphilis. Um, I knew of syphilis going into it but I didn't know how it can be harmful or just like the, the effects of it how it kind of Talk appears. To us about I that. will. <laughs> uh, so with syphilis there are four major stages right. So there's the early stage which is when there's a shanker on your body. So oh, a shanker? A, chancre. a so, shanker? Yeah so it's almost kind of like a Canker. It's almost spelled, but it's it's oh, not. Oh, so it's like, a, it's like a little sore. Yeah. So okay. it's a it's a sore that's often painless. It will show up wherever you're having sex. So, um, if you are a male or you have like external genitalia, mm-hmm. you know, on your external genitalia, you can have something show up there. So, like a man, you can have a shanker on your penis. It could be on the head. It could be on the the testicles. Um, With a woman, obviously, I'm sure it could be on the labia, Mm -hmm. but some of these areas are also internal, you know, so, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, anal, anally, you could have something internally vaginally, you have something internally in your mouth, you can have something internally, that's Mm -hmm. a way to spread it. This is when it's the most infectious is in this first stage. Um,
0: which is the stage that you might not necessarily even be aware that it's present. Yeah, for sure. Of course, I guess that would be when it's more spreadable.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, somewhere between, I believe it's 10 days. It's either seven to 10 days after exposure and upwards to three months is when it can show, you can have a Mm -hmm. chancre appear up on your body or even test positive for, um, uh, a syphilis infection basically. Mm -hmm. So what happens is the chancre shows up wherever it shows up, it hangs out for about one to three weeks. And then it disappears on its own. So sometimes people may have the show. If they do see it show up, they're not necessarily thinking of it like an STD sort sense. Right. You know, they see something show up and then it goes away and it's own and they're like, oh, hey, well, that cleared up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And for a month, you might have about a nice calmness going on because that's typically how long you don't have another sign or symptom show up. And that's when secondary syphilis usually rears its head, um, which can be trademarked or um Assigned to a rash that appears often on the bottoms of hands or feet, or it can be on your torso. Like on the palms? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can be pretty. It can be pretty prominent in the photos that I'm showing people to s- show them signs or symptoms. Sometimes it's really prominent. I've also talked to people before who've had pretty f- like lightly, uh, like very light rash on them.
0: Can you get it <coughs> from that? Like if I were to shake someone's hand and they happen to have that rash, can I get the syphilis? No,
1: not typically. Whoa. I think you would probably have to have some sort of like open cuts on your hands or something like that and they would or probably have to also have like lick ha- their hands. Yeah, probably a lot of not. I stopped
0: doing that ages ago. Good.
1: Um that's probably just not good in general <laughs> yeah. even in regards to we all syphilis. Have our own way. Yeah.
0: But so that's secondary. And so you start to get this, develop this rash. Right. Then what?
1: So um, there's the rash. There's also something, coelata can like show up, which is like a, uh, a mucousy kind of, hmm. um, or not mucousy, it's like a, a, a sticky or a wet kind of. Uh, bumps essentially it's like you get
0: nasty
1: yeah it's not it's not the most appealing we don't see it very often an alopecia can also happen so the loss oh, of really? hair yeah that one i don't like to be like hey have you been losing hair recently just because, <laughs> because if someone's everyone's
0: getting like oh my god yes yeah
1: because if someone's older that might just be like a natural thing mm-hmm. that's occurring you know but um i would imagine if you're like yeah you know like 18 and all of a your hair is just falling out, maybe get a syphilis test you know mm-hmm. that wouldn't hurt yeah um and that li- typically lasts for about two to four weeks and that will go away on its own. Now, the last two stages are kind of.
0: And so now we're at the mm-hmm. point like the stages happen because it's untreated. Yes, correct. Okay.
1: Yes, sorry. Um, so, yes, the, that this is the progression of syphilis if left untreated. Um, and so the, the next two stages are kind of a little bit harder to explain just because there's not um, signs or symptoms that are attributed to them. Huh. The third stage, which is an early latent stage, is uh, when we can tell you've had testing within a year you are tied to like an earlier case of syphilis um all right wait it's just those two i'm sorry guys um so it's when there's a lack of a sign or symptom you have a positive like blood test or you, we believe you may have become reinfected due to um factors that we can determine on our end that i'll go into in a little bit here mm-hmm. um or uh those other two things that i said the earlier case being tied to an earlier case or having testing within a year you just get treated with one shot. That's basically the difference between the last two stages is how much of the treatment you get. Um, So with the last stage, uh, or if you're in that, that early latent stage, that third stage, you would only have to get a shot, but you have to meet certain parameters. Now, if we can't tell you've had testing within a year, you're not tied to an earlier case and you don't have a sign or symptom you go into what's called a late latent stage and what's the treatment for that that's recommended is three shots spread amongst three different weeks so you get one penicillin shot a week for three weeks in a row if you miss the time frame in which you need to get those shots administered you have to start all over again and it's real important because syphilis can have some pretty serious consequences there Mm. are Respiratory issues that can happen, cardiovascular problems, neurological problems, ocular problems. So it's not problems. just
0: attacking your sex parts. It's attacking all your parts. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, I mean, some of these things, it, it varies. Everybody's different. Everybody is l- literally different. Um, it can take years for someone to develop like a neuro syphilis kind of case it can also happen and that's pretty really, fast i think that
0: that's what we hear a lot more about like people are like oh if you're at syphilis you go crazy but the fact is like it might not get to that stage like your body might just be ravaged by it before you ever start to see things like yeah. you know indicators of like dementia caused by it
1: yeah and it's like it's uh it's just interesting and like if you get to that stage the reason why it's like real important just to get it treated the sooner the better because a lot less medication you have to take. I mean, right. I wouldn't want to wait in my waiting room th- for three weeks in a row to have to get a shot. Mm-hmm. No offense to my work, love ya, but that yeah. my idea of a good time is just not sitting there and waiting to get shots. Right. You know. Um, and then if it gets to that stage where we believe it's like a neuro or uh, an ocular case, a lot of times to determine that you have to get a lumbar puncture, which mm. that I do not believe sounds very pleasant. Oop. And then if they believe your case you have to go on like a penicillin iv drip for about two weeks so i don't know if that means you can't work like i don't know if you have to be in a hospital i'm sure wow. there's ways that you can probably do things from home or still be abled or um like able-bodied basically i guess um but uh yeah i mean two weeks on an iv does not sound like a great time to no, it no. no it does not no it does not Oh, Um, my goodness. And so, um, sorry. (laughs) No, that's good. That's Um, good information. So with syphilis, a lot of the times when we can tell we believe we have someone who is a case is, um, at least with my facility, there are tests that are run that's like a confirmatory test and then a fast test. So the fast test, if you've never had syphilis before, we can determine on our end you've never had syphilis before. If you pop what's called like an RPR or a titer um that can be an indication that you may have syphilis there are times when that happens and they are false positives oftentimes that's not the case usually if that is the case someone has um, some autoimmune disease already Mm. happening in their body um, that can kind of mess with those tests but um, a titer or an rpr It's kind of hard to explain without seeing it. I would maybe Google it if you're interested in finding out how this works exactly. But basically you start with either a non-reactive test, which would mean negative. Mm -hmm. And then like the first, I believe the first step up is a 1 to 2. And then there's a 1 to 4 and a 1 to 8. It's basically a measure... Of something in your blood, and I cannot break this down very easily right now. I pre- I'm sorry that this is probably not the best explanation of Basically how this test like works.
0: How syphilitic you are? Yeah,
1: in a way. I mean, it's not like necessarily like a measure of how much of this syphilis is in you.
0: Can I only have a little syphilis? Yeah. <laughs> can I only have
1: like Can I only have like a one a one to two of that syphilis there? I want to die. I just need a light dose. <laughs> determine the way that this test turns out it can kind of indicate what stage you may be in um, or if you have a reinfection um, you have to go up so if you've had syphilis in the past you may pop something like a 1 to 128 let's say right and after treatment you should see that number go down it can take upwards to 18 months for you to go down to the uh, we call it uh, like just like your magic number whatever you tend Mm -hmm. to kind of hang out at um, for this RPR titer test. Some people go back down to non-reactive, someone might have a 1 to 2 or a 1 to 4.
0: So if you're at non-reactive mm-hmm. and like you don't experience any new contamination, mm-hmm. can you still reemerge? Like I mean, is it something that can lay latent in you and then it can
1: um, I think I kind of understand what you're getting. So you're saying like, like if, if
0: I get better, can uh-huh. it like have a resurgence even if I don't introduce outside source again? It
1: shouldn't. No. Yeah, it shouldn't. So once
0: it's like treated and cured, it's cured.
1: Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, that tighter that RPR, it might fluctuate between. Mm-hmm. So when we would believe you'd be a reinfection is when you have a two or a fourfold increase on this graph. That's why it's like, if you want to kind of understand this a little bit better googling this might be helpful um sounds like nerds are the
0: key to (laughs) raising std yeah so
1: um the example i would use is like okay you've had syphilis in the past you hang out at either like a non we'll say for this example a one to two now sometimes people might fluctuate to like a one to four which would be on one side of that and i think the other side of that is a one to one you might fluctuate between those two which would make. make us not think that you're uh, a a reinfection if you were go to a one to four and if this is my if this is me remembering this graph correctly guys too (laughs) um that would be a fourfold increase it has to jump two times on this graph that you see in order to be considered a new infection because once you test positive for syphilis that confirmatory test and that's also important too um, that confirmatory test is always going to be positive for the rest of your life that's never going to go back down to Mm non-reactive it just doesn't mean that you always have syphilis so it's kind of really important to do your follow-up blood work with your doctor to see where your magic number ends up hanging out at so that if you think you may have it again in the future there's a better indicator of if we believe that to be true or not.
0: So let me play the role of the <coughs> ignorant boner. <laughs> uh, psh, I don't have sex that often. I don't need to get tested.
1: Um well, I mean that's if you don't have sex that often, that's you know, that's kind of true, but when's the last time you had a syphilis test ta- or when's the last time you had an STD screening?
0: Oh god, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm clean, guys. I'm clean. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, probably a year.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I always, whenever I talk to people, because like when I'm at these events where people are like, ah, I don't need to get tested. Okay. When's the last time you've had a test? Uh, well, it was like over a year ago. Okay. Well, you know. Have syph- you had
0: sex since then? Yeah. Well, then get a test. Yeah.
1: Get a test. Or it it literally pays to have a syphilis test on hand, guys. Like I cannot stress that enough because it's really going to determine how much treatment you're going to get how much of your own time you're going to have to give up in order to get treated properly um it's just also good to know even if you're in a monogamous relationship hey um let's be honest shit happens people fuck up accidents happen if you're willing to work on that relationship that's great Uh, that's not really my cause for concern at this moment your personal health should be still the top the top top matter or you know important to you know so if
0: someone is regularly sexually active mm-hmm. let's say that they're having sex at least twice a month okay um and not with the same person okay. like if because like you said earlier we are in the era of tinder and grinder yep. like and all the other apps that are so handy when we want to get handy. <laughs> hey, <Ayo! laughs>
1: With ourselves or others, yes. <laughs>
0: I don't have to get tested if I just masturbate. <clears throat> I don't know. Where's your hand been? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for someone who is actively using these apps, like mm-hmm. to have um, sex, because honestly, that's people's right. Of course they can. Like, yep. live your damn life. We're all going to die. Um, how often would you recommend testing?
1: It depends on how many partners you have, and I think it's kind of honestly up to a lot of people's discretion. So, like, when let's I say two,
0: par- two new partners a month,
1: two new partners a month. So, if we're doing two new partners a month, you're saying so for a whole year, 24 of, yeah, so partners let's say,
0: um, uh, every two weeks, you hop on Tinder, you find yeah. someone, and you whoopsie daisy.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, I at the very least, I would suggest. Every three months. Because with every mm. three months, like I said, with syphilis, it can take upwards or three months for it to show up on a test. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with HIV. HIV, HIV can take upwards to three months to show up on a test. Mm-hmm. So I would say at least that, just because that way you can kind of be aware of those infections if they're happen- mm-hmm. happening. If you only have, like, two partners a year, you know, um, you can probably get away with once. I, it just It's kind of on, like, a case-by-case case basis right. also what the people – Are telling me uh, how often are they using condoms do i believe this person is being honest with me as i'm talking to them i mean partner how many partners are stated within a year is what i would base my recommendation typically on so i do something that's like five or more partners i might suggest at least every six months anything mm-hmm. above that i might do every three months if you're saying you only have like two partners twice a year if you want to right but the very least at least once a year i would say
0: and i think the other important part of that is you know we're not just limiting it to like full like penetrative vaginal intercourse yeah i mean your oral sex yes carries lots of risk that people usually just shrug off because they're like, ah, I spit it." Yeah, like that doesn't matter. And
1: there are still fluids that are absolutely happening. When also, you're oral hand sex. stuff. Yeah,
0: that was like the, the <laughs> least professional. You the know, hand, hand stuff <laughs> under the pants hanky pants <laughs> But like, I mean, when you <clears> think <throat> about how many people maybe like don't have full penetrative sex, mm-hmm. uh, but they do other sexual behaviors. Like basically if anything is touching anything or near anything, mm-hmm. it carries risk of disease. Doesn't True. it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, hand's not typically going to be like a really great mode of transfer. Depends on how deep you go. But I, yeah, I would imagine it depends on how quick you are from I mean, we're, let's use an example. If you're fingering someone and you're immediately taking your finger, your fingers out of that, that hole, under the water. whatever hole you're in, and then yes. you put them in your mouth or whatever, Ooh! I would imagine there is a potential. Um, it's probably still pretty low.
0: I was not expecting that outcome, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: But oral sex definitely is very important. Full disclosure, I've had oral gonorrhea before. Mm-hmm. I probably got it after going to two bathhouses in one week. This is before I worked at my job now. Um, And uh, I thought it was just um, strep throat because when I worked for Starbucks, I had that four times in two years. So and I never had it prior to that and never after that. So I was pretty aware of what the signs or symptoms were because I was uh, older, you know. So when I had that that throat situation going on, I had gone to a mini clinic and they're like, well, it's not strep throat. I'm like, what could it be? You know, and they they didn't have an answer for me. However, I so just happened to have gotten tested through my current w- work, like, a couple of days prior to that, and I got a phone call later on that week after my symptoms cleared up on its own that were like, hey, yeah, you had a positive test result for gonorrhea, and I was like, where was it? And they were like, in your throat, and I was like, all makes sense now, all makes sense.
0: Oh, man. Um,
1: so I think that people often don't think of oral sex as a m- mode to transmit disease, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. You know, we've been told if we've gotten any like I feel like sex education in school that oral sex is pretty is pretty safe at least in like a modes of like an HIV transmission but I feel like a lot of the spread. Granted, this is me going from my own personal experience. Um, I think it, it happens with oral sex because people typically do not use condoms. Exactly. That's
0: exactly what I was going to say. People typically do not use protection. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that like usually gets shrugged off. Yeah, It's something that like you brush your teeth and then you forget it happened. Right.
1: I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, I, and I advise people when I talk to them, like if you want another barrier, you know, it's all about giving people the tools for their pocket. Right. This is probably not maybe the best thing for me to admit, but uh, it's just me being honest. I give these tools to my the, the patients, the clients that I see. I say, do I expect you to necessarily incorporate this? Not 100%, but you have the knowledge if you're ever going into a situation that you think is maybe a little sketched That's why that, I
0: got flavored condoms, yeah, guys. For Listen, sh- for sure. Th- it's just like a, it's like a midnight snack that you don't get calories from. Yeah.
1: And I wish they had genitalia flavored condoms. Cause like, honestly, I feel like that's part of the reason why. That's I original recipe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, some people like eating the chicken skin. Well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like. If I'm sucking on a, if I'm sucking on a dick, if I don't want, it, this- I don't want it to be like grape flavored necessarily. Really? You know? Yeah, no, that wouldn't do too much for me.
0: I mean, you have sucked more than I. I've. Have. Yeah. <laughs> I think literally anyone over the age of fifteen has done more than I have. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, there's definitely like value. Like, well, and I want to make sure because we don't have a lot of time left, so I want to sure. really make sure to hit on. Um, Another way that you are spreading sex positivity, yeah. you have a show. Yes. Right? Tell yes. Us, tell us about that.
1: So I co-host a show with my friend Gwen Sunkle. She's a comedian. Gwen. She's a lovely individual. She
0: will be on this podcast at some point, and yeah. I cannot wait. She
1: will, and she will keep it real. That's what I love mm. about Gwen. Mm-hmm. Um, we host a show called Hot Tub Sex... Wait, Hot Tub Sex 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 Machine. machine. Uh, We used to just be called After Hours, which was less of a mouthful, but not as fun. We Um, are not
0: afraid of mouthfuls.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) But we do Hot Tub Sex Machine, and it's a body body positive, sex positive show where we try to present different topics and um, let people, if they have a, a curiosity about it in a respectful nature, ask people who are either guest speakers or doing a demo about... Said situation Guys so. I
0: have learned A lot at this show <laughs> so, I have submitted Questions and they Have been answered
1: <laughs> um, We have had people On to talk about Vaginal fisting Before <laughs> um, People talk about Power play So like impact play So um Spanking Or using tools for that
0: I remember when there was the um, orgy coordinator
1: yeah that was
0: fascinating that was fascinating Yeah, like you you just don't think about all of the the safety precautions that go into it and the relationships that go into it like that show blew my mind yeah
1: and we just did a show on polyamory and uh, it seems like in both of the cases the uh, how to plan an orgy successfully and polyamory organization and calendars are absolutely like the key to a successful (laughs) orgy and make sure your
0: google calendar is updated because i'm looking to bone yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so um that's that's interesting to me i think there's a lot of organization that goes into sex stuff so
0: you have guests uh you know each show that really are like presenting i think there was um Oh, you have had so many fantastic topics on the show. Um, sex with disabilities. Yep. I believe you've covered um, asexuality, polyamory. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the whole gambit. Yeah. Yeah, for
1: sure. And I, w- I mean, we are always looking for people. If you're interested in telling a story, we have people that go on stage and tell a story. It's a lot less. um, interactive with the audience and like the demos but if you have a story that you think is just killer send one of us a message you know slide into those dms tell us about your story and why you think you should be on our show and we'll probably most likely gladly have you i would imagine
0: where is this usually held
1: so it used to be at long shot but long shot is not together anymore Mm. um it is at the white rabbit now uh we've only done two shows while we were there uh, and they've been about two months apart and speaking with Gwen uh this past week it looks like we're kind of doing that every two months is when we're gonna have a show we mm-hmm. were monthly but now we're is that bi-monthly then right yeah okay so bi-monthly it seems like we're at the uh we are definitely at the White Rabbit it's yeah. usually on a Wednesday or Thursday night um and uh it's nice it's real chill it's real relaxed if you ever want to see the White Rabbit and love have it, the White Rabbit it's wonderful I love that venue if you ever want to see it in like a not to and this is not a slam against anyone, like a, just like a calmer space, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I'm sure you get that at comedy shows and stuff, but like if you just yeah. want it to be like a super chill zone, you know, there's mm-hmm. not really loud music and people taking off clothes, which by all means is great normally when broth shows are happening after. there. For sure. Um but that does happen after. Um but <laughs> it's just it's it's cool. It's it's a nice chill environment, you know. We try to yeah. promote everyone to be respectful of everybody.
0: So if you had to summarize like what the overall goal of hot tub sex machine is Mm -hmm. like what is it that you're trying to bring to Indianapolis
1: um people just to be uh considerate of maybe different viewpoints that are not theirs or just looking at things differently or exploring Mm -hmm. different avenues that they never thought might apply to them you know
0: yeah I see it as a very empowering show encouraging people to not just own their sexuality but Mm -hmm. like to avoid the shame that so often comes from it especially like we are technically in a red state and um I mean, to think that, like, a couple of years ago, gay people couldn't get married. Mm-hmm. There's still a stigma attached to any sort of, you know, quote-unquote otherness in sexuality. Yeah. And so to have a show that is, you know, it's it's not, like, slamming it in your face. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just inviting people to, you know, become more educated, to engage with people who you might not have even known have, like, these sense of otherness. And, and it turns out it's not otherness. It's just humanity. Yeah. So I love that show.
1: Yeah, and then you can meet at our place and then slam it into each other's faces. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have. I still that.
0: remember when I submitted the uh, question: "Is eating gas like really a thing?" Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> I boy, oh, you answer. And
1: I am here to emphatically state: Yes, I am. Uh, I'm a big proponent of tossing the salad. Uh, He's an
0: emphatic eater.
1: I am emphatic. I am an avid homosexual emphatic eater of uh, anus. Um, I, my husband and I do have a sex room in our house. We really, yep. We call it the salad bar because I like to toss salads. Oh Lord. Um, Whenever someone
0: says toss salad, I'm sorry. I imagine someone sticking salad tongs in your butt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When I was in high school, my friend used to make these like funny little uh, songs on whatever stupid music maker that he had, and he had one that's called Toss Salad. And it, would, like, it was, like, an actually pretty good, like, techno-y kind of song. But towards mm-hmm. the end, he just recorded himself saying, Toss salad. Toss salad. Oh, God. Toss <laughs> salad. Lord, I have to find that song because it is kind <laughs> of my theme song these days.
0: Well, so is there anything that you want to promote before we close out today or anything?
1: Um, I don't have a date for our next hot tub sex machine. It's going to be sometime in December. It's cool. looking like um, I don't have anything on the burlesque books for myself. And then um, if you want testing at the Bellflower Clinic, come see us. Like I said, $20, gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, HIV. If you want a herpes test, that's an extra $30. So the most you're looking to spend typically is about $50 if you want to get an and overall screening. worth it yep. for your health. And then you get to see me if you end up testing positive for something, which is, I'm sure, not necessarily maybe <laughs> the thing the result you want, but yeah. we can see each other for a hot second. But
0: listen, what better person to encounter yeah. after a positive test? Is uh, someone who's going to be like, Listen, we all fuck. yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's that's typically how we phrase these things, you know, like these yeah. things happen, they're natural consequences, thing consequences. Are negative and positive in some ways, you know. And they
0: can be dealt with.
1: And they can be dealt That's with. That's the
0: number one thing. it's For sure. Instead of running away from something just because it's really difficult and it's scary, I mean, because it is scary to be diagnosed mm. with any sort of illness, impairment, you know, disease, but knowing that the best way to handle it is to just handle it. Yeah. Go somewhere, get tested, talk to your doctor. Um, if you've you know never if you have things that you don't understand happening to your body, talk to a doctor, talk to a medical professional. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, don't you want to be living your life um, free from worrying about what this sore is? Yes.
1: And <laughs> since it's the Halloween, uh, uh it's the Halloween, the month of Halloween. There's nothing you know?
0: spookier than she, Yeah,
1: there's nothing spookier. But she also just said living your life uh, a certain way, you know, and to quote uh, the witch, uh, that horror movie, you know, when she'd like to live? your life deliciously. Uh, that's basically what we're trying to do at the Bellflower. Toss salad.
0: <laughs> Toss salad.
1: <laughs> for everybody.
0: Michael, thank you so much for being here. This was fantastic. Thank and you for having I me. I learned a lot of titillating things. Ooh.
1: I would love to be on a future episode to talk about Buffy Magilla sometime.
0: Titty Buddies. <laughs> yeah. Buddies. Buddies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Titty buddies. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And um, guys, you know, as always, I like to say that if, you have an interest that's what makes you interesting nobody can take that away from you and nobody gets to have an interest for you so if you want to talk about your interest on this show let me know hit me up on facebook no Tell podcast of course no is spelled k-n-o-w and uh, let me know what kind of things you want to talk about that you want to hear about because this is why i do it people are interesting and uh, i'm just here to record it so for no Tell, i'm carrie pulley stay fantastic everyone